G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are breaking down the blockbuster trade that sent Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Not a game, not a game, we talking about practice. LeBron James with no regard for human life! AD's basketball! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys uh, Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Uh, woke up early this morning, went to go to work, and uh, a few, uh, a couple hours into my work shift, uh, my phone starts lighting up, and we've got obviously a blockbuster trade to discuss. So, uh, touched on it briefly on Twitter, but I think a trade like this is worth its own sort of podcast. Obviously, uh, the trade deadline is coming up at the end of this week, so uh, expecting more trades obviously to come, but every year we sort of seem to uh, get this this one or two couple of trades that happened a few days away. You know, last year it was the, the Halliburton and Sabonis deal, this year obviously the Kyrie deal, so... Let's uh let's break it down now. We're going to go through the trade, uh, and I just want to have my thoughts on the the trade initially. Talking all the fantasy basketball impacts, who are the biggest winners, who are the biggest losers from this deal, if there are any uh, must add players, so on and so forth. But let's start by just looking at the trade itself and what what happens. So uh, the Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris to the Dallas Mavericks, and the Mavs are sending back Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian. Finney-Smith, a first round pick, which I think was uh, an unprotected pick uh, acquired from another team. I'll just grab that in a second. And then uh, several second round picks to the Brooklyn Nets. So from a fantasy basketball point, obviously we don't have to worry about the the picks uh, moving teams. But from an NBA point of view, now... You obviously, you guys obviously know I'm a I'm a Celtics fan, as you can tell. Uh, so I have uh, some strong feelings uh, against Kyrie Irving. Well, not against him, but just the the kind of player and to a lesser extent the person that he is in terms of the way he's sort of gone about a lot of off court dramas in the past. The way he sort of obviously left uh, Boston. The way he's now left Brooklyn. The guy just seems to me to really rub me the wrong way. So uh, it's an interesting deal. It's obviously um, deeper than just what happens on the court, especially when you acquire someone like a Kyrie Irving. So if you're the Dallas Mavericks, look, I understand that you haven't given up much for a Kyrie Irving, like uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Doran Finney-Smith, first round and a few second round picks. Look, it's not a huge package, um, but obviously you have the uncertainty of what Kyrie Irving is going to do in free agency. Uh, what did he decline from the Brooklyn Nets to say that he wanted a trade? I think you know there's a few things that he wanted in his contract that meant that he uh, requested that trade in the beginning. So interesting to see now. Obviously, not in those conversations. Don't know what has happened in terms of how much the the Dallas Mavericks are aware of what they have to give up in terms to keep him. But it is a very interesting trade from their point of view, and I wonder. I wonder how much uh, they spoke to Luca before doing this deal and, and his thoughts, because obviously 
there's already been some rumblings around the NBA in terms of how the team has been constructed around Luka Doncic and um, perhaps him not uh, being happy with the, the talent surrounding him. And, you know, they went to the Western Conference Finals last season, even though outside of Luka, they don't really have anyone close to all-star caliber talent. Um, obviously, now they do in terms of Kyrie Irving, but he obviously comes along with a lot of um, a lot of extracurricular things to uh, to be considering. So, um, very interesting to see how that goes on. It's a huge risk, in my opinion, for Dallas. It's um, it could pay off, and obviously, you haven't you haven't traded away much in terms of the players and the, the draft capital. However, you do have that risk of if it doesn't work out, if Kyrie's antics continue to come over, and and, and it's not smooth sailing for the Dallas Mavericks, the the chemistry or whatever in the team is is off and things don't go well from that point of view that it, it could also um, rub Luca the wrong way and, and, and push him further into that camp of wanting to explore different deals and wanting to explore different options in terms of moving teams and, and looking for greener pastures elsewhere. But I understand from a basketball point of view, obviously this improves their chances at a title uh, odds this season. Um, we've already seen those those odds move from the, the gambling side of things. And, and I do think that when you have a player like a Kyrie Irving and his talent on the court, it's a no-brainer if you're doing this and you're paying this much, then that's a huge win. It's obviously the reason he's this cheap, the reason you're able to get him for this kind of a trade package is because of all the uh, extracurricular stuff that comes along with Kyrie. So I guess time will tell how this works out. And I think it does put a lot of pressure on this team to do well this playoffs uh, in in these next couple of seasons, because if it doesn't and it goes south, this could... This could really not work out very well for Dallas, uh, in my opinion. Um, but on the uh, Brooklyn Nets side of things, obviously the news broke last week that Curry Irving demanded a trade. Uh, again, it was because... I haven't spoken about this on the podcast yet because it's uh, been a week since my last recap. But he... Uh, contract negotiations broke down and obviously he is someone who... You know, as good of a player he is, he sort of thinks that a player of his stand doesn't need those contract stipulations uh, in his in his deal or whatever the case may be. So maybe he felt disrespected. Whatever the case is, I think that this package that the Brooklyn Nets have gotten back to me really signifies how fed up they were with Kyrie Irving, how over the whole drama they were. The, the, again, like the Luca situation on the Dallas side, the Kevin Durant situation on the Brooklyn side is also another wrinkle to this trade. So, you know, obviously Kevin Durant famously asked for a trade in the offseason. He stayed on the roster so far. They were actually starting to look really good on an on-court product these last few uh, months, especially since Kyrie came back from his suspension. Obviously, Durant is out injured at the moment, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how this how this impacts. I could see a domino effect where perhaps I know that a few teams have reached out about Durant since this trade this morning, uh, my time uh, this afternoon over in US. And uh, yeah, does that lead to Kevin Durant getting traded before the deadline this season or is it something that we wait to the end of the, the, the season and see how they go with this kind of team? It's... um. Obviously, they're they're not as formidable of a team anymore now. Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are fine players. They're they're decent enough. They they deserve decent minutes in the NBA, but they're not. You know, when you when you're giving up a star like Kyrie Irving, and and 
you know, as much as I don't like the guy and as much as he he annoys me in the way he goes about things, you can't deny the fact that he is a really good player. And that's when, when we talk about fantasy in a second, you know, you guys have, if you're listening from the start of the season, you know that I was a big fan of Kyrie Irving from a fantasy point of view this season. I had him early in the second round, uh, drafted him in a few places, uh, but that's that's where I try to distinguish what I think about the player um, personally and, and what they can do on the court and from a basketball and fantasy basketball point of view. Try to keep those things separate, um, especially when they, they need to be separated. So, very interesting, I think, for both teams. Probably more so the Brooklyn side of things in the immediate term. Um, still very fluid. And I still think that for Brooklyn, the question is, okay, what are you doing with Kevin Durant? How does he feel about this team now? Does he does he still... Does this mean, mean he wants a trade? Uh, maybe he's happier that Kevin... Uh, sorry, Kyrie Irving is out of the picture. Um, what are they doing with a player like Ben Simmons? There's a lot of question marks still in the air. So... When we pivot over now to the fantasy basketball implications, the winners, the losers, the ads from this deal, always just keep that in mind because I think that there is still a decent amount of water to go under the bridge here. Um, now, there might not be any more deals for either of these teams. That, that That's an option. But there also, I think, is still a lot of things that could potentially play out for these teams. So we're going to go through them uh, team by team um, and sort of see who the winners and the losers are and if there is someone that is a must-add or a grab in, in certain um, in certain leagues. So obviously, let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie Irving comes over, replacing a, um, a Spencer Dinwiddie and a Dorian Finney-Smith. So instantly, you sort of see Kyrie Irving slotting in sort of as that two-guard next to Luka. So they're the, the starting backcourt. Um, instantly probably the best backcourt in the NBA uh, from a talent point of view. Um, now, does this hurt Luca? Now, Luca is someone who I think, uh, from the top of my head, is leading the league in uh, usage at the moment. I'll just double-check that. But he is someone averaging at the moment 35.5% usage, which is... Oh, it's not quite leading the league. I apologize. So Giannis and Embiid are both ahead of him, but he is third in the league at the moment with usage. So very high usage player, likes the ball in his hands, big assists, big points, lots of uh, trips to the free throw line and uh, a good boost to your field goal percentage as well. So I think that there might be potential for a slight hit to Luka Doncic's value with a player like Kyrie Irving coming over. I don't think it's going to be dramatic. I don't think it's going to be huge. Now, obviously, you're replacing two players with one in terms of Kyrie. But when you add up you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith's usage and just the time that they'll probably share the court together, I think that this does negatively inf- uh, impact Luka Doncic's um, usage. And when you're a player that... You know, as much as he has improved in his steals, um, he does rely a lot on high usage in terms of getting those assists and points for his value. But again, like I said, it's not going to be a major hit. He's still obviously a first-round player. I still think he probably will be top five or six. So, uh, But maybe just a shave off his stats. I think that Kyrie Irving can kind of just keep doing what he's doing, playing next to Kevin Durant. Again, maybe a lower usage player than, than Luka Doncic. So again, maybe a slight shave off his numbers, but we've seen him put up numbers in a team with Durant and James Harden on the same court. Mind you, it wasn't for that many games um, in that season. But I still think that he has the ability to play off-ball. 
ball. Um, he's he's good enough and efficient enough to put up the decent points that he does. Um, usage of 28 so far this season, that's not unrealistic to expect, in my opinion. I think uh, I've got here, Spencer Dinwiddie was over 23% usage. So, you know, Kyrie's going to obviously demand a bit more of that ball, but with the usage also of 13 uh, or 14 rounded up uh, from Dorian Finney-Smith. There's plenty of usage for him to come in and basically just do what he was doing in Brooklyn on this Dallas team. So uh, I'm more confident with Kyrie Irving's value from a fantasy point of view staying the same. Um, maybe Luca's a bit more uh, susceptible to, to taking a dip. But again, for both of them, I think it's going to be very, very minor. The players that I think are losers uh, and a bit more confident in saying that on the Dallas side of thing, Christian Wood. Um, I did tweet out a few of my initial thoughts, and I didn't include Christian Wood, but reflecting on it a bit more now, Christian Wood, again, I think is the guy he goes from being sort of tied second along with Spencer Dinwiddie as that guy in terms of offensive pecking order and usage to being a clear third guy here. Again, though, I don't think it's a huge hit, but because... You know, he's he's a guy that has his own issues and his inconsistencies anyway. He's ranked 56th in the uh, the season at the moment. I think you can see him fall a bit further back down to that 75 to 80 range would be my guess. You know, maybe he goes from 18, 8 and uh, 1.3 blocks to 16 and 8. And just that combined with, obviously, when you're taking fewer shots and your field goal percentage is a boost to your value, that field goal percentage is less valuable on fewer shots. That also is enough. And in that kind of a range, it's enough to fall sort of, you know, 15 to 20 spots of value. So to me, Christian Wood is someone that is considered uh, a bit of a loser here. Um, I think the rest of it is very... Whatever, it's, it's, I don't think there's a huge other loser on this side. So I think Christian Wood is probably the biggest one, maybe a little bit of Luca. Um, you could argue that someone like maybe uh, a Tim Hardaway Jr., but he's someone that, you know, does it flatten out? He's still under 20% usage on this team. So he's not a guy that's getting a high volume of the ball in his hands so far this season anyway. He's not really troubling our fantasy sides as it is. So I think that... He's someone that I think is just a, a net neutral. When it comes to the winners from a fantasy basketball sense, I think the biggest winner on this team here is a Josh Green. Now, in saying that, when I say that he's a winner, I don't necessarily think that he's someone that's going to all of a sudden catapult himself into that top 120, top 100 value range. He's a guy that is extremely low in usage. He relies on his value on being a bit of a a good uh, steals guy. He's efficient, shooting over 55% from the field. um, And from a guard-eligible player with a, a three per game, that has its use in deeper leagues. He's currently the 233rd ranked player on the season in... Um, what's that, 20, under 23 minutes. I expect that that could get closer to 28 to 30 minutes per night, which again, if you're going from that kind of a range, it probably boosts you up to maybe around that 150 kind of a range. So if we were going to have a speculative ad, and I'm really talking very speculative, probably more of a 16 to 14 team league kind of a, an ad, I think that Josh Green is the guy to go and have a look at. Um, because I, I see that the potential here is for him to start either either at you know small forward or power forward, um, because when you have a lineup where you've got Christian Wood, you've got Kyrie Irving, you've got Luka Doncic, there's a lot of scoring on that side. You need someone who's a decent defender and efficient scorer to go along with that. Um, 
I think if I double check, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has he been? He's been starting. I know Luke has been out recently, but was he starting before that? Yeah. So Tim Hardaway Jr. has obviously been starting for a long time now. I wonder. I wonder if this moves him to the bench and makes him more of that guy that. Uh, can get more of that ball in, in a bench role where you've got players like Luca and Kyrie starting in the same backcourt. Um, if I was the coach, I might look to do that and get a player like uh, Josh Green into my starting lineup and have Tim Hardaway, you know, be able to jack up as many shots as he wants off the bench in a high usage, lower minute role. Yet to be seen, but I think regardless, he he wasn't troubling our fantasy rosters anyway. So I think he is kind of a wash uh, there. The other guy that could be interesting, well, two guys really, is um, Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell. Now, Maxi Kleber to me probably presents the higher upside. He he's coming off a, a hamstring injury, so hasn't played in a long, long time. So again, it might be a little while before we really see this play out, but I think long term he really should be the guy that starts at power forward, maybe with your Josh Green at small forward. Um, but again, he's probably going to be eased back into the lineup. He hasn't played a game uh, since the 12th of December where he did injure that hamstring. So I think to me, in the short term, you could see a player like Dwight Powell potentially getting that Doran Finney-Smith starting power forward role playing next to a Christian Wood. Maybe, or maybe you have a Josh Green at power forward and you keep Tim Hardaway Jr. at small forward. Very, very up in the air to me. Um, I think that Dwight Powell... He's, he's low upside. He is only averaging under 20 minutes per game. So he could, again, in deep leagues, 16 to 14 teamers at most, um, provide you with that good field goal percentage, decent enough rebounds, and, and maybe, you know, a couple of blocks here and there. But um, I think that, again, when it comes to standard leagues, there's no one really, I think, that has a clear ad for, for 12 team leagues at this point. I think that, it's, it's a watch and to see how it goes, but I think the biggest takeaway here is that Christian Wood, I think, uh, should lose a little bit of value going from second in that pecking order to third behind Kyrie and Luca. Josh Green, I think, rises up and again, going from 230th kind of a range outside the top 200 to inside the top 200, maybe as high as 150. He could become a deep league ad. Um, but again, not someone I would really worry about swooping up uh, in your standard leagues because, uh, again, I'm going to touch on this on our weekly recap in the in the podcast, which will come probably later tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, and, and we're going to emphasize the fact that you need to keep your moves on, on hand, ready to rock and roll when the trade deadline comes. So a lot of these guys, I don't think it's worthwhile using your waiver acquisitions just yet. I would be waiting for some more clear-cut value options to present themselves with other trades at the trade deadline. So that's pretty much it for the Dallas side of things. If we move over to the Brooklyn Nets, again, quite a fluid situation in my opinion. Obviously, you've got Dinwiddie and Dorian Fisk. Dorian Finney-Smith coming over and replacing Akari Irving straight away. I think that, and, and I was going to talk about this in the in the recap show, but a player like uh, Cam Thomas, who obviously went crazy in the last game, uh, and, and this might be a little biased, I've never really been a big Cam Thomas fan. I don't necessarily think he's a good fantasy player. I it, it, This is my personal preference, and you guys might have a different um, viewpoint on this, but my personal preference when it comes to fantasy players, particularly guys who are more back-end in terms of the NBA team that they're on, if they can't, if they can't do anything more than score and shoot threes... 
I'm I'm really really skeptical to add them off the waiver wire because we saw obviously he had an amazing game last game. It was obviously very very good. Forty four points, four threes, six rebounds, five assists. Shot the piss out of the ball, seventy percent from the field. Uh, nine of ten free throws. Um, oh, sorry, was it nine of eleven free throws? Uh, so obviously really really good game. But that was without both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So now you're going to have Dorian Finney Smith and um, Spencer Dinwiddie coming back in. So is he going to be getting this role? 29 minutes, he didn't start. The answer to me is a pretty safe no. Um, I think that he is a guy that I wouldn't necessarily bother adding. I know a lot of people have already. He's skyrocketed up in a lot of teams. But to me, this kind of kills his value. He's a guy that you're going to be he's going to be behind Kevin Durant obviously when he's back he's going to be behind Spencer Dinwiddie um and a lot of those other guys are probably more efficient at doing what he does so he needs super high usage his last game when he had 44 points was on a 45% usage rate the two games before that it was above 30% usage as well when he scored 21 and 19 he's just not going to get that on a consistent basis and um and the minutes are going to not be there. I just, I just don't think he's a smart ad uh, outside of a deep league and you're really desperate and you want to grab some points and just wait and hopefully maybe if a Kevin Durant trade comes and they, they do hit that rebuild option, which could definitely happen in that kind of a scenario, maybe there could be some, some value there. But um, again, a lot of things still have to happen. And obviously, if Kevin Durant is traded, you're going to get a lot of pieces coming back. Now, they might not be superstar pieces. It might be a bit more of a rebuild type trade. But chances are you're going to have at least someone coming back with, with at least a bit of upside and, and young talent with a, with a player like Kevin Durant going out. So for me, Cam Thomas, uh, I think, is obviously a clear loser for this um, deal. And I would not be adding him if I, if I hadn't already. And if you had, maybe just wait and see how it goes. I wouldn't immediately drop him. But um, if he was still sitting on your waiver while you weren't sure, obviously this kills a lot of his value. I think Seth Curry and Joe Harris clearly lose a lot of value here. They should not be rostered in 12-team leagues. They're probably likely going to come off the bench a lot now and lose minutes. And again, scoring threes, they don't provide a whole lot else. The interesting mix here is the mix of Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, and maybe, in my opinion, to a lesser extent, Ben Simmons. In my opinion, I think that Ben Simmons is going to still be the starter and he's probably going to start at your quote-unquote point guard and you'll have a Spencer Dinwiddie paired next to him. Kevin Durant, when he's back, is going to be starting at the three or the four and then you've got Nicholas Claxton at the center. So for me, it comes down to Dorian Finney-Smith versus Royce O'Neal. Now, I personally would view Dorian Finney-Smith as potentially the better player to start in that starting lineup. Um, but Royce O'Neal has obviously impressed a lot of this season. I think that his playmaking and just maybe a little bit more of a dynamic player than a Dorian Finney-Smith serves him a little bit better off the bench and um, someone that could potentially work better with the Seth Currys and the Joe Harrises of the world, whereas I think Dorian Finney-Smith, in my eyes, 
it works a little bit nicer next to your Ben Simmons, next to your Kevin Durant, next to your um, Spencer Dinwiddie's, where he can be that guy that plays good defense, switches a lot on the floor, and just just as that spot up shooter um, without being asked to do a whole lot with a lot of those ball handlers on the ground with him. Um, so for me, that's the way I predict it to go, but it could go a bunch of different ways. So I think for all of those guys, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, and probably to a lesser extent Ben Simmons, they're all losers in this situation. I think. They they all have a chance for their value to drop. I'm most confident with Ben Simmons being able to salvage his value because, again, he doesn't rely on usage. He's obviously a very low usage player, gets his value from steals, assists, rebounds, and blocks, and decent field goal percentage. So um, whilst he's been extremely disappointing this season, I think in, as far as this trade goes, it should be more of the same. Royce O'Neal, 117 on the season. Um, he's someone that I have sort of said that uh, more recently, he's he's kind of going into that drop territory. So I think that he is someone with this trade in in mind could definitely uh, could definitely fall into that into that category. So I think that he is someone that realistically, uh, if you needed to make a move, he's someone that I would be fine to 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 move on from. Um, and I think the same with Dorian Finney-Smith. He was kind of a guy that never really... I mean, I was kind of keen on him last year because... Uh, this this preseason, because last year he was decent enough to sort of hang around that top 120 mark, but hasn't really lived up to that. 138 on the season. I think moving to uh, a Brooklyn Nets team doesn't do his value any any good. So I think that he is probably going to be a decent drop. As far as the winners go, I think obviously Kevin Durant is a big winner if and when he comes back. Now again, that is an if because I would not be shocked if he is traded this trade deadline. There's a lot going on at Brooklyn. But say he does come back, you've obviously got no Kyrie Irving now anymore. Um, so he is someone who... Obviously, we know what he can do when he's out there, regardless of who's on the court, but it does help him a little bit when Kyrie Irving does leave, and he's sort of that that number one unquestioned guy on the team right now. I think Spencer Dinwiddie can do more of the same of what he's been doing. Again, Kevin Durant, slightly lower usage of player compared to a Luka Doncic. You might get more assist opportunities for a Spencer Dinwiddie, so... I think he can do the same, if not slightly better than what he's done so far this season. He's actually been a decent surprise for us this year. His um, his uh, percentages haven't been a killer so far. So be on the lookout for that. Again, new environment. It's been an Achilles heel from him in the past with the field goal, free throws, and turnovers in the past. So, you know, whenever we see a change with a guy that has been historically a bad percentage guy, it could sometimes revert back to that, but... Again, based off what we've seen so far this season, I think he could still pretty much do what he has been doing. So with all of that said, guys, I don't really think that there's a clear must-add guy. If I was to prioritize anyone, it might be Josh Green, but it's an extremely speculative add in a 12-team league. It's more of that deeper league kind of kind of situation. In a 16 to 18 team league, Dwight Powell might be that guy if I really needed that field goal percentage boost and, and a bump there. But outside of that, I don't really think that there's much of an ad. If you added Cam Thomas already, I would just hold and wait. Don't make a, a move. Sort of wait till the trade line comes and goes. But he might be one of those guys that when the trade line do, trade deadline does come, 
he might be the guy that you're cutting to pounce on the guys that do find themselves in a, in a larger role uh, through some sort of a trade. So uh, that's, that'll do it for us today, guys. So let us know what your thoughts are on the trade and what you think uh, the Dallas Mavericks are doing with Kyrie Irving, if they're going to be a legit contender this season for the championship. Do you think Kevin Durant's going to be traded before the trade deadline? And uh, is there any other questions on a fantasy player that you think that I've missed or someone that you disagree with? Let me know down in the comment sections below. Our recap show will be coming up relatively soon here so you get back-to-back podcasts for us so look out for that one give this video a thumbs up subscribe and i'll see you later bye